listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. We'll listen to the rest of the Ha Ha song at the end of uh, the show. That was uh, my interview with Scott Patterson of Smith Radio. Hope you liked it. If you missed any part of it, it is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Okay, standing by to join us is Pam Jenoff, author of The Orphan's Tale, a novel paperback. Good morning, Pam. Morning. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk about, before we get into your latest book, The Orphan's Tale, I want to talk about your backstory, how you became a writer. Certainly. So my journey to becoming a writer began just over 20 years ago when I was sent to Krakow, Poland as a diplomat for the U.S. State Department. And I didn't go at that time to work on Holocaust issues, but I found myself in Eastern Europe at a unique moment in time when Poland and the neighboring countries had just come out of decades of communism and had many issues from the war still to resolve. Um, I found myself on the ground there very close to the Holocaust survivors, and um, this became my work. And after I'd spent a few years in Poland on the ground with this kind of work, I returned to the United States very moved and changed and uh, knew that I wanted to write about the war in in fiction and Mm -hmm. have been doing so ever since. I I was reading your backstory. By the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Pam Jenoff. And your backstory, uh, you have a master's degree in history from Cambridge, and then um, you were providing help for families uh, with who were involved with Pan Am Flight 103. Uh, yes, yeah, so that was actually from an earlier part of my life, before I had gone to the State Department, right after Cambridge, and before I'd gone to the State, State Department. Yes. I found myself spending a year at the Pentagon as the Special Assistant to the Secretary of the Army, and mm-hmm. it was a wonderful chance to see the world from the shoulders of giants, as Sir Isaac Newton said, I and um, so um, I, I got to experience many things, and among them, um, meeting the Pan Am Flight 103 victims' families and helping them get their memorial in place at Arlington National Cemetery. Wow. I went to Syracuse, so I remember when that happened. I was listening in my car to um, details about that flight, so that's why I brought it up, because I thought, wow, that's very powerful. So thank you for all you've done regarding that. So let, let's talk about uh, your latest book, The Orphan's Tale. How, how did this come about? I was researching in the uh, online archives of Yad Vashem um, in Israel, mm-hmm. and uh, there were two stories in the database of the righteous um, that, that captured my imagination. One was an awful story about a train of unknown children, children taken from their own parents, too young to know their own names. And the other was an uplifting account that I'd never heard before of a German circus that had rescued Jews. And so I've woven these two stories together. Um, One of my main characters is Noah, and she's 16. She's a Dutch girl who has been kicked out by her parents after becoming pregnant by a German soldier. She's living above a rail station in Germany, cleaning it to earn her keep, when she discovers the train of unknown infants. In a moment of fateful impulse, she grabs one of those babies and flees into the night, and she finds shelter with this German circus that has rescued Jews. Such a powerful story. Thank you. Do you, um, so you've written uh, other stories as well. Do you want to talk about some of those? 
Um, so this is actually, uh, The Orphan's Tale is my ninth book. Um, mm-hmm. I began with The Commandant's Girl, which was um, inspired by the true story of the Jewish resistance during World War II in Krakow. Um, and I, I had written a sequel to that, The Diplomat's Wife, and there's a prequel, The Ambassador's Daughter. But The Orphan's Tale, although it's in that same vein, is just very different for me. I refer to this as uh, the book that it broke me to write because of that train and the feeling that in order to write it, I would metaphorically have to put my own children on the train. Whoa. What was, what was, was that like? I'm speechless, if <laughs> you can tell. Well, I knew that as soon as I read about this train, mm-hmm. this image of the train, and all I've borrowed from the real story is that horrible image, but I right. knew it was going to figure prominently in the orphan's tale and right up front but i waited forever to write it for just that reason because mm-hmm. of just how horrific it would be to go through it in the level of detail you need in for your reader but to actually go through it uh firsthand and so i finally did it um and it's there and for a long time afterward i couldn't write much of anything else i was going to say how did the, writing this book change you or have an impact on you because like I can't imagine walking away and not having some kind of residual feeling. Uh, Oh, certainly. Well, each book sort of shapes me in a different way. But if I look across the trajectory of the books, for me, these stories, first of all, they're First and foremost, they are love songs to wartime Europe and the people and places, you know, the people who went through these most horrific of times. I also feel that I'm trying to explore the gray areas in people um, Mm -hmm. in in my books, um, and and that's something that really came out of my time living in Europe. And specifically with The Orphan's Tale, I really think, you know, I didn't love the circus going into this book, and I wasn't sure I wanted to spend a year with the circus writing it. But I discovered that ultimately these were not circus stories. These were human stories. And for me, this book is really about finding home in the least likely of places. Oh, I like that. And how do you, um, what is your writing process like for people tuning in that are aspiring writers? Well, let me say before I specifically mention writing process. So I, um, I have three small children. I have a day job teaching law school at Rutgers. um, And I write. So first of all, I don't believe in writer's block. It has to get done somehow. Yes. (laughs) And then um, and I can use any short little bit of time you'll give me. But my process, those who are writers know there are what we call plotters and pantsers. So plotters are those lovely people that write every sentence perfectly before they go on <laughs> in a linear fashion. I'm the opposite. I'm a pantser, which stands for seat of the pants. Mm-hmm. And I open my computer with an idea, and I go, blah, for like (laughs) 60,000 words. The worst junk imaginable comes out in every order, you know, any sort of way you can imagine. And it's the worst way to write a book because the editing is dreadful. Um, I don't (laughs) recommend it, but it's the only way that I can do it. Well, it's kind of like your mind dump. You just let it out there, and then you clean it up. Yes, and it actually it was inspired by a book by Natalie Goldberg called Writing Down the Bones. She takes a Zen Buddhist approach to writing where you silence your inner, inner editor mm-hmm. and just keep going, and that's very much how it works for me. Yeah, I kind of like that. I mean, that's the way I grew up writing. Do you have advice for people that are in a funk, maybe a writing funk? Well, let me say, regardless of what kind of funk you're in, my writing career, I couldn't get started for decades. And for me, it was actually wow. a, an epiphany about uh, regarding 9-11. I had gone to law school after State Department, and I became a lawyer 
on September 4th, 2001, one week before 9-11 happened. And that day really gave me the life epiphany that if I wanted to be a writer, I had to get started. I did not have forever to do it. And, you know, that's when I really started writing in earnest from 5 to 7 in the morning before I went to the firm every day. So I know everybody's got that one project they're trying to get started. Um, I think that um, you have to be really disciplined and you have to carve out the writing time for yourself because even today nobody says, oh, Pam, why don't you go take some writing time? You know, you sort of have to protect it and claim it. Um, I think it's important to be tenacious because it took me five years and 39 publisher rejections before my first book was accepted. Um, And I think you have to learn how to revise Uh because you have to be able to take other people's feedback and incorporate it in your own work. Did you share this with uh, your friends and family as you were going through it, or did you just kind of muddle through it and put yourself kind of in this, you know, cave-like moment? You know, you were just like in your own world. With this manuscript or with the writing career? With this manuscript. Well, I don't actually show my work to anyone. I don't have a writing group presently, um, Uh so I'm alone for that year. Other than if I want to bounce some questions off my agent or my editor, I can do that. Um, And the first galley, once they're done, always goes to my mom. But I I don't have sort of a a group of beta readers, if you will, to look at this for me. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you? Well, um, my website is Pam Genoff, P-A-M-J-E-N-O-F-F dot com. But I ra- I'd like to say that, for me, the greatest gift of this Internet age is for readers and writers to be able to connect on kind of an ongoing, meaningful basis. So I invite everyone to find me on Facebook or Twitter or email or sort of wherever they are hanging out online. Fantastic. Now, if um, do you give workshops or anything like that? Or you're, you're probably so busy, you don't have time to do writing workshops. Um, I, I, you know, I teach in the Summer Writers Conference here at Rutgers oh. um, once a year, and obviously I, I'm teaching constantly with law school. I've been touring exhaustively for the past month uh, with the book just coming out. So people, there's lots of places I, people can find me in person or online, but I just haven't done, I don't have the bandwidth to do extra teaching right now. Right, of course. You're juggling so much. <laughs> what an understatement. And... Um, Do you have plans for writing, um, like, do you take time off, or are you already thinking about your next book? I don't take time off. I'm well into my next book. I've been working on it since last fall, but I have to say I'm getting slower. You know, I used to be like a book a year. I'm getting older. The books are getting harder, you know, and I'm just not that fast anymore. So I've been working on something, um, and it has to do with 12 female uh, special operatives from Britain who went missing during World War II and whether or not someone betrayed them. That's the real-life uh, story that I'm fictionalized. Oh, I was going to ask. It sounded like a real-life story. There really were these agents that went missing, and I am um, writing a fictitious piece inspired by I that. love it. And then maybe it'll be a film. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears, all film rights still available. <laughs> awesome. Any last bit of advice you'd like to leave the listeners? Um, I, no, just, you know, I, I would I, you know, I, there's, there's a slogan, I'm going to probably paraphrase Nike, but it was every damn day. And I really do believe in that. I've given myself like 100 days of writing challenge. And I try and touch the paper, like touch the project you love every single day. Yeah. What's inspiring is that you were saying it took you, you know, it's a whole long process and you had a lot of rejection. And how did you keep yourself out of a funk? 
Well, you know, I just knew that I wanted it, and I think you really—you either have to really want something or really not want something, right? Really True. be trying to avo- either get something or avoid something to get yourself up every morning to do this. Um, right. So I just kept going, um, and you know, I have wonderful support structure and all that. But e- even when other people aren't sure why you're still putting all the time into that silly thing, um, it has to come from you because lots of writers who, in my workshop, who were much better than me when we started out, much better writers, mm-hmm. I- if they gave up, if they didn't keep knocking on the door, um, that would be why they're not published. And I, I just um, just kept going. So I don't think there's any any particular gift or skill other than maybe a little bit of tenacity. Yes, yes. Grit and tenacity and keep going. Grit. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for calling in. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day. That was Pam Jenoff calling in to talk about her latest book, The Orphan's Tale. If you missed any part of this, it will be up on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Okay, so my last guest is going to call in in just a moment, Ellen Tad, the author of The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on Earth. So we'll listen to the last bit of Scott Patterson's uh, song from Smith Radio, the Ha Ha Song. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Just 